good morning, Hopevale. If you would please stand and join us in worship this morning.
all the glory. We are so thankful that we get to come together corporately and thank you for being our hero of heaven, to thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that we can walk in freedom. We love you so much, and I pray as um, we continue in worship today, Holy Spirit, you prepare our hearts for whatever plot twist you have for us, that we would walk in obedience and allow you to change our story for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We are so glad that you are here at Hope Vale worshiping with us. Before you're seated, would you please take a minute and greet someone around you? Greetings, earthlings. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. Uh, Boy, it's great to be led by this uh, worship team, these girls singing. Isn't it great today? It's awesome. Yeah. They let me get back on the drums like Animal from the Muppets every now and then, so... Hey, glad you're here. Uh, glad that you've decided to make Hope Fail your stop for church today, and um, really hope and pray that God just meets you in such a special, divine unexplainable way. Really do. We pray for that. We pray for that all the time that um, this kind of highlight of everybody's week, this moment where we come and just sit in God's presence would just be something that, man, when we leave, we just know that we've been in the presence of God. We just know that God's been here. So that's our prayer for you. So welcome if uh, it's your first time or uh, you've been here for a long, long time. So uh, if it is your first time, we'd like to try to roll out the red carpet just a little bit for you right out these doors into the center of the lobby is our welcome desk. We have a gift for you if you'd like to have that. It's a little tumbler. You can put hot and cold drinks in it, and uh, we've got some information about our church, so feel free to um, grab that. And we've got, you know, a lot going on here at Hopevale, a lot to stay connected with at Hopevale. Uh, so we just keep pointing everybody back to our website, hopevale.org, uh, and look on the different pages and see how you can continue to be part of our community. That'd be awesome. Hey, one thing we're uh, promoting this week is our youth service next week. Uh, our youth will be leading us in worship. And uh, Brent Ferris, our student pastor, will be speaking. And uh, it's going to be a great uh, continuation of uh, Pastor Sam's series on plot twists. So he's going to kind of come in and continue that and close that off. And then the following week, Pastor Dan is back, which is awesome. He's going to talk to us. He'll be uh, from his three-month sabbatical. He'll be back telling us about what he learned and what God showed him on his sabbatical. So don't miss that. It's going to be a great couple of weeks coming up, too. So... Hey, uh, ushers, thanks for serving today. Why don't you come on down, and uh, we're going to give to the Lord this morning, and thanks for serving to do that. So I want to remind you just one of the spots where your offering goes. We have all kinds of different places where our offerings go as we give to the Lord here at Hope Vale, but um, I just had the opportunity to officiate um, a funeral this week, and we were able to uh, pay for the lunch for the family so they could just go and and sit and be blessed, and um, and uh, that's some of what you do. You you help people. You help people um, have moments where they can uh, spend time with their friends and their family and just be together as they're going through tough times. So um, that's just one of so many ways that uh, where where your giving goes. So thank you for giving to the Lord here, at Hope Vale, and we'll just ask that the Lord would continue to bless it. So let's pray, okay? Lord in heaven. Uh, You are in heaven and we are on earth, as it says in scriptures. Your ways are not our ways, as it says in Isaiah. Um, You are in your rightful place this morning and we are here. And um, as we are here, uh, Lord, we keep trying to figure out what it is that you want us to do. We know one of the ways that you want us to serve you and live for you is to be generous with what you've given us. So um, 
with this big theme of uh, generosity today, we pray that uh, you would use what's given uh, to bless people, to bless us. Who knows when it's going to be our turn to be blessed by the church, uh, but help us to be a blessing as we are able. Uh, thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Hey, Larry. Thanks. Hey, so uh, we're going to continue in worship, and we're going to uh, sing this song for you, uh, a song called Peace Be Still. It's a song by Lauren Daigle, and I hope it just rips you up. I really do. Uh, it's, we've had a powerful time rehearsing it and kind of getting it ready for this morning, but it's one of these songs uh, where, man, if you're just going through this stuff, I hope this really comforts you. We're going to have some moments in the sermon today and, and during the day where we're going to feel a little bit of challenge from God. And I always, I always love Sunday. Sunday's about comfort and challenge. Whatever you feel like you need from God today, I pray that he is that for you. But uh, let this moment comfort you. And uh, as we're reminded of the Lord's words in uh, peace, be still.
Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul pens these words. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know what you walked in here with this morning as by way of anxious thoughts, worry, fears, whatever that is. But here's what I do know. I do know that God invites you this morning to lay those down at his feet. That he invites you and I to come to him with all of our worry, all of our fear. And say, God, you are God. And what he promises is that when we, we bring those to him, that this supernatural peace will guard our hearts and our minds. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to give us some space this morning just to, to do that very thing, to just lay down those things right at the feet of Jesus and invite the peace of God into our hearts and our minds through that. So I'm going to pray over us in a second, and I would just invite you, whatever it is you might be anxious about, fearful of, worried about, just give it to God. Lay it over to him and invite that peace that God says will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Invite that in this morning. Let's pray together. God, we, um, we come to you with anxious hearts, sometimes very fearful or worried over things. And um, it may be little things, it may be huge things. But God, you, you didn't specify which ones we're supposed to lay at your feet. You just said, give me all of them. Cast all of your anxiety, all of your care at my feet, you say. And God, you've promised that when we do that, you will give us this supernatural peace that we, we can't really understand, we can't explain, but God, you give it to us anyway. And you say that that peace will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And God, we pray for that. We want to lay all of those things down at your feet that, that cause us to worry and, and take our focus off of you. And God, we want to put you back at your rightful place, at the center, at the, the focus of our lives so that we um, can, can see you more clearly and follow you in a way that, um, that causes those anxieties and those worries to go away. I mean, the very story of where this song comes from was here that your disciples, Jesus, they were um, sitting amongst waves and, and being very fearful. And here you come walking on the water and you get in the boat and you say, peace, be still on the waves, immediately calm. God, some of us today, we need that. We need you to step into our lives and just say, peace, be still. And we need to trust you for that. So God, we lay them down at your feet, trusting that you will bring your supernatural peace to our lives and it will guard our hearts and guard our minds through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you can be seated. Can we give these guys a, a round of applause and say thank you so much for leading us in worship today?
Well, good morning again. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. What an amazing time of worship, right? Well, we want to welcome those of you worshiping with us in Bay City at Christy McAuliffe Middle School. We're so excited that you have joined us this morning. And I just want to give us a little update. Last week at Hopevale Bay City, we had a baptism service. And there were four individuals that got baptized last week. So exciting. Awesome, right? Very exciting. Bay City, we are celebrating with you. And those of you in Saginaw here, if you haven't got a chance, go on Facebook and go to Bay City's um, Facebook page, and you can actually see pictures from last week. Such an exciting service out there. It was so awesome to look through pictures, and I got a chance to talk to Pastor Steve, and he was so amped up and excited about what happened last week. So we are celebrating with you guys at Bay City. All right, where we are in week four of our five-week series called Plot Twists. It's all about these little things in our lives that can grow and shift our stories for the positive or for the negative. Week one, we talked about this plot twist of pride, right? And, and how God is opposed to pride, but he shows favor to the humble. So we need to live out of a place of humility. And we said that God doesn't um, you know, show favor to those who are, are proud. God doesn't um, you know, go after that. God doesn't help those who help themselves, is what we said. But God helps those who humble themselves. And so that was the plot twist of pride. Week two, we looked at the plot twist of freedom, and we saw that Jesus came so that we might have eternal life and eternal freedom because of his death and his resurrection, and Jesus gave us freedom so that we could stay free, not so that we could chain ourselves to something over again, and so we said that, you know, Christ set us free to stay free. Last week, we looked at the plot twist of isolation and how it's the enemy of intimacy and of influence. And that we're not created for that, but actually we were created for connection with one another. And so hopefully this week has been a week where you've been able to do some of that, be able to put away some of the stuff that would isolate you and lean in to connecting with somebody else and connecting with one another. That's what we were created for. In fact, the Apostle Paul calls us the body of Christ. Okay, not the finger, just the finger. It's the whole body. We're all, we need each other. Um, and we all need one another in this thing. We're created for connection. Well, this morning, I want to zero in on another plot twist, and that is the plot twist of generosity. The plot twist of generosity. Um, a, a few weeks ago, my son Jonathan, my middle son, he's 10 years old, he came up to me and he said, Dad, how do I make money? I don't know if your kids have ever done that for you or your grandkids or whatever. He came up and said, how do I make money? And I was like, well, you could do a, you know, a few things, lemonade stand, Kool-Aid stand, all that. He goes, no, that's lame. I want to make real money. I'm like, okay. And he goes, I got an idea. So he ran up to his room and he started, you know, putting together his idea. What he came up with was he wanted to sell his original comic book. It's called The Adventures of Super Sloth. Now, if you know my son Jonathan, you'll know that he has a, like, affection for sloths. He has probably anywhere like 20 to 25 stuffed sloths in his room. He has one that's like his size that he sleeps on. He loves sloths, and he has actually made an iteration of the origin um, of this comic book over and over and over again. So Super, Super Sloth, the origin issue is what he wants to sell people. And I'm thinking to myself, please don't go around our neighborhood giving people this stuff. But that's just the, you know, the adult in me going, oh my goodness, what are people going to know us for? But he was so amped up and excited about it. He drew the whole comic book. He went into our back room. He found our copier, and he used the photocopy option of our printer, and he copied off seven of them. And then he made a sign. It said, comics for sale, comics with an X. And he said, $8. And I'm looking at him, and I'm going, no one is going to buy that for $8. No way. And he goes, trust me, Dad. Well, he, he was out there for about 15 minutes, and he came back in, and he goes, no one's buying it for $8. 
I'm like, right. So I said, what about $1? So he goes, okay. So he crosses it out, puts $1, and he goes and puts the steak down on the ground. It sits outside for another 30 minutes. No one's coming by. And he looks at me, and he goes, this isn't working. To which I'm thinking, yeah, no, no, no. He goes, I got a plan. So he tells me, he says, I'm going to go door to door selling my comics. So he goes across the street, and he rallies around a team around him of five other neighbor girls, and they go door to door trying to sell these comic books. Now, like 25, 30 minutes has gone by, and I'm getting a little nervous, like, where did they go? So I get on my bike, and I ride around our neighborhood, and I find him down one of these streets, and here comes this whole crew, and I notice he doesn't have any comics in his hand. And I'm looking at him like, where'd your comics go, Jonathan? And he goes, I sold them all, $7. And I look at his hand, and he only has $2 in his hand. And I'm going, I thought you said you made $7. He goes, I did. But I asked everybody to come along with me, so I paid each one of them five, you know, a dollar apiece, all these five girls. And I'm looking at him, and I'm, I'm, two thoughts are running through my head. Thought number one is, man, your business and entrepreneurial acumen is off here because you, you made the comic, you went, you know, all this stuff, and then you gave away most of your money. Like this, but then I, the other side of me was, man, I just loved, loved his heart of generosity with all these kids around me. It's like, you get a dollar, and you get a dollar, and you get a dollar. I thought, you're going to make a great boss one day. I loved his heart of generosity. And and this was actually pretty shocking to me, if I'm going to be honest, because this is not a normal or natural response for, for my son Jonathan. To be honest, most of the time, he probably just would have pocketed the money and ran and been like, sorry about your bad luck, you didn't make anything. Um, but that wasn't what he did today. that day. He, he actually was generous. And, and he, I started thinking about this, and I thought, you know what, I bet he's not the only one that would have normally pocketed the money. I think that generosity and being generous isn't a natural or normal thing for most people. I think it's a learned thing. It's a learned thing. Now, we live in America, which has a rich history of generosity, and we've learned over time that generosity is a really good thing. But I think for most of the world and most of history, what comes natural isn't generosity. I think what comes natural to humanity is more like what we find when we're two, right? You know, if generosity isn't a natural response for us, then what is? Well, selfishness, I think, is a more natural response for us. The, the two-year-old response of mine, right? This mine. No, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to do that. Approaching life with this closed fi- fist kind of approach, that's a little closer to what's more natural. I think generosity is a, a learned thing that we learn to do. I mean, I'm not sure anyone has ever had to tell a two-year-old something like, you know, Dylan, you need to stop sharing so much. I don't think anybody's ever had to say that. In fact, a lot of times it's the opposite. We need to go like, you need to share more, you know? Generosity is something we learn and something we need to be encouraged toward. It's a value that we're taught to value, and rightly so, right? Because generosity makes us better at being who God created us to be. Generosity makes us better human beings. It makes the world a better place to live in. And generosity should be a huge value to those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus because it is generosity that's actually at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take a look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This this is what um, the Apostle Paul said about the generosity of Jesus. He said this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, not talking about monetarily or even possession-wise, but he was rich spiritually, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty, you and I through his poverty, might become rich. 
See, generosity is at the very heart of the gospel of Jesus. That though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for our sake he became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus generously gave his life so that you and I could be the beneficiaries of the riches of his eternal life. And so if generosity is at the core of what we profess to believe as followers of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves how the plot twist of generosity is actually playing out in our lives as followers of Christ. And what does God actually ask of us in this whole area of generosity? Well, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn it to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Okay, so if you have a physical Bible, 1 Timothy is right after 2 Thessalonians, right before uh, 2 Timothy. It's in the New Testament. If you have a digital copy, just scroll down, find 1 Timothy, find chapter 6, or you can follow along on the Hopeville app um, in the message notes. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And before we read these verses together, let me give us a little background on this letter and why this part was actually even written. So the Apostle Paul is the writer of this letter, and he's writing to his pastor protege named Timothy. Paul led Timothy to Christ. He actually calls him his true son in the faith. And he discipled him to be a pastor. And at this point in time, it's believed that Timothy is actually the pastor over the church in Ephesus, okay? Timothy is a younger man, maybe in his 30s, maybe early 40s. And he's still in need of pastoral guidance and encouragement from his friend and mentor, Paul. So Paul writes this letter mostly focusing on the things that Timothy needs to address to his congregations and what to watch out for as a pastor. So he gets to chapter 6, and he begins talking about false teachers who are basically prostituting the gospel of Jesus as a get-rich scheme. He warns Timothy about the trappings of loving wealth and loving money, and that it's the root, that love of money and love of wealth, it's the root of all kinds of evil. And then he encourages Timothy to flee this kind of thinking and pursue spiritually wealthier things like godliness, righteousness, faith, love. Pursue those, Timothy, and teach your congregations to pursue those. And Paul is just about to end his letter to Timothy, but it's it's as if Paul has this like epiphany moment as he's winding down his letter. It's kind of like he's saying to himself as he's writing, wait a second. Wait a second, I just talked about people who are using the gospel as a get-rich scheme and how that leads to all kinds of evil. But I need to talk to Timothy about those who already have been blessed with wealth. What do I do with that? What do we do with that? How do I help him address them and how they can pursue following Christ with the wealth that God has already blessed them with? And so he has this moment where he's like, wait, wait a second. Let's talk about that. So he gets to verse 17, and this is what he says. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Well, it's only three verses here, but there is a lot tucked away in these three verses that we need to talk about. So if you're like me and you look back to verse uh, 17 and you read this, command those who are rich in this present age, you might read that first sentence and go, well, I don't think he's talking about me, right? You look at that and go, nope, not me. Warren Buffett, now that's rich. 
like not me. You know, I might do okay, but I don't know if I would actually call myself rich, so I get to skip this one, right? Right on to the next one. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, there is an organization that's been trying to raise awareness about income inequality around the world for some time now, and those statistics are staggering. I got a chance to look at those over the last couple weeks. Now, according to the Global Rich List, which is actually a thing, you can look it up, if your annual salary, check this out, if your annual salary is $32,400 or more, then you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, the whole world. When I saw that, I was like, whoa, (laughs) wow. That means compared to the rest of the world, if you find yourself in that bracket, you are rich. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Sam, I don't feel rich. (laughs) You know, I can barely pay my bills, and I totally get that. I completely understand that. And the reason that we don't feel rich is because we live in America. And America is one of the wealthiest nations in the world, and we tend to compare ourselves with other one percenters. Right? We look around and say, well, you're in the top 0.0025% and I'm not, so you're rich and I'm not. But if we just turn around and if we would just see that there's another 99% living in the world, we might just realize how rich we are. You know, this happens to me every time I go on a, a missions trip outside of the United States. I look around and I go, wow. Wow, it, it just changes my perspective. On things. Sometimes my perspective and our perspective needs to be reframed in order to understand how much God has truly blessed us with. But here's what I want to do this morning. I want us to see these verses through a different lens this morning. What if we looked at this passage of scripture, not through a how much money do I have or how much money do I not have lens, but what if we looked at it this way? What if we looked at it through a what has God richly blessed me with lens? You know, maybe God has blessed you with time. And God has richly blessed you with time that you can give to others. Or maybe God has uh, blessed you with talent and an ability. And you're like, man, I've been richly blessed by God. I have these talents and abilities. Or maybe it is wealth that God has blessed you with. Or, Or maybe it's wisdom that God's blessed you with. See, if we read it through that lens, that God has richly blessed us, that we're rich because of these things, then we, it can begin to speak to every single one of us. So he says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Okay, so not to be arrogant. Wealth has this way of producing pride in us, right? You know, the more we have, the better we feel about ourselves, the more self-sufficient we are. And so he says, command them to not be arrogant. And then he says this, nor to put their hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in wealth. Money makes a terrible God to put your hope in. As a lot of Americans found out in 2008, it can be here today and gone tomorrow. And uh, that's not the kind of God we want to put our hope in. He says, don't put your hope in wealth, but put your hope in God. And then he says these words. He says, put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, I just want us to, to sit with this one for a while this morning. You know, God's the one who gives you your health. He's the one who who gives you your wealth. So don't put your your hope in yourself. That's arrogance. Don't put your hope in your wealth. That's idolatry. Okay, we can't put our hope in those things. Put your hope in God. And then he says, God gives you all of these blessings for your enjoyment. See, sometimes God just wants you to enjoy life. Sometimes God just wants you to enjoy life. And that's okay. 
It doesn't, you know, always have to be something deeper, something bigger. There doesn't have to be a bigger meaning always behind God's blessings in our lives. Sometimes it's just because God wants you to enjoy him and enjoy the life he gave you. Sometimes that's why God blesses you. Yes, God wants you to enjoy him. And God wants you to enjoy this life. And it's out of this joy that we can find generosity. You know, some of the most joyful people I know are some of the most generous people I know. So Paul says, command them not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in their wealth, but put their hope in God and realize God's the one who has blessed them with all of these things. And then he says this, command them to do good. Command them to do good. And what does he mean by do good? Well, he means to live from a place of generosity. He says, command them to be rich in all of these things, in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Not get rich, okay? Not to feel rich or to get poor or even to feel poor. He says, command them to be rich. See, I don't think we need to know how to feel rich or how to get rich. We just know how to be rich, how to be generous with people. See, being rich according to God and living from a place of generosity, it's not about how much money we have or don't have. And it isn't even about funding the church. Generosity is not about money. Generosity is about a way of living your life. It's realizing that God has been deeply and profoundly generous to us through Jesus. Remember, generosity is at the heart of the gospel, right? And so we ought to live our lives from a place of generosity too. See, generosity means living in an open-handed kind of way. I think when it, when it comes to things like our time, our talents, our treasures, all those kind of things, we have this natural bent to clench our fists around those things, right, and hold on to those things tightly and say, like a two-year-old would say, mine. It's my time. These are my abilities, my talents. This is, you know, my treasure, my money. And we have that, that natural bent to do that. But generosity teach, uh, teaches us that all of these things, our time, our talents, our treasures, they're all gifts from God that he has richly and generously given to us. So we need to view them as gifts and live in an open-handed way with them. It's learning to ask, God, how do you want me to use the gifts that you have given me? How can I be rich towards you? How can I be rich towards my family? How can I be rich towards other people? And the answer to those questions is what Paul has laid out here for Timothy to instruct his congregation to do. How do you be rich? To borrow a line from Pastor Andy Stanley, he talks about being rich. How do you be rich? Well, he laid it out this way. How do you be rich? Well, first, the very first thing is you don't put your hope in yourself or your wealth. You don't put your hope in yourself or your wealth. At the end of the day, it's about asking yourself this question. If I had everything in the world or if I had nothing, would I still be content with who I am and who God is? If I had everything, or if I had nothing, would I still be content with who I am and with who God is? Can I say like Paul does in Philippians chapter 4, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, that's the real meaning of Philippians 4.13. It's not about winning a sports game because you wrote it on your shoes. 
It's about saying my hope is in Jesus, not my health, not my wealth, or any other circumstance. My hope is in Jesus. And that's where contentment lives. And contentment breeds generosity. Greed does not breed generosity, but contentment does. And so he says, don't put your hope in yourself or in your wealth. Then he says this, you want to be rich, this is what you got to do. You got to be generous with your works. Be generous with your works. He says, be rich in good deeds. Generosity isn't just about money or funding the church. It's a way of life that says, I have been blessed. Now, how can I be a blessing? I've been blessed. How can I be a blessing? And then using how you've been blessed to bless others around you. That's what being generous means. Has God given you time? How are you using that time to bless others? Has God given you talents and abilities? How are you using them to bless others? Has God given you wisdom? How are you using that to bless someone else? You know, as I was studying for this message and I got to this verse, I thought to myself, you know what? I could just ask those questions and leave it there. But then I thought this. I thought, you know what? Hopeville is extremely generous with their works. And so I started thinking about what are some of the stories that I can share with us today to encourage us about our generosity as a church presently when it comes to being generous with our works and what we're doing for God. And how can we continue to do this more and more? And so I want to share with you some of those stories this morning. Did you know that there are over 700 people serving in some capacity here at Hopeville in various different ministries? 700 people from from welcome to coffee and donuts to nursery, preschool, kids ministry, preteen, student ministry, to the worship team, to the tech team back in the booth, to group leaders. We have over 700 people giving their time, giving their talents, and giving their wisdom to make a huge kingdom difference here. And yes, that includes you too, Bay City. <laughs> that includes you too. That is awesome. That's awesome. It's something to celebrate. And we are always looking for more and more people to step up and get in the game to serve, to make a kingdom impact. And so if you are not, my question is, why not join us? Why not join us and serve somewhere? Make a difference. Man, that's awesome. 700 people serving. A couple weeks ago, a group of nine high school students and three adults went to Southside Chicago to give of their time and give of their talents to be able to serve some people who desperately need the love of Jesus. I just got a chance to talk with a couple of them this morning. They were in um, gardens, working in gardens to be able to feed people who need food. They were working in food pantries. They were working with kids there. And they just talked over and over and gushed over and over about how awesome it was to allow God to use them in that way. I thought, oh my goodness, what an amazing way to be generous with your works. Just yesterday, a group of people got back from Hopeville, got back from the Dominican Republic they went there for a, a week to be able to, to um, you know, get the high school building that, that they were building fi finalized and ready to go. And they, they went to be able to help um, teachers there for their school learn how to use Chromebooks that you guys have so generously purchased for them to be able to use those to teach science. They also did a dental clinic there. What an amazing way to be generous with your works. I asked Pastor Adam this, uh, this question. I said, okay, what about like Christmas outreach offering and how we're doing with that like, and, and getting out there and serving? And he said this. He said, in 2018, we as a church were able to do 51 
local and global mission projects in our community and around the world through our Christmas outreach offering. That is amazing, amazing stuff. Talk about being rich by being generous with your works. Way to go, church. Way to go. So then the further encouragement is this then, right? How can we be more generous this year than we were last year when it comes to our works? Generosity, being generous with your works. says be rich in good deeds. The third way to be rich is this, is to be generous with your wealth. To be generous with wealth. He says be generous and be willing to share. Your generosity as a church has mattered big time in the ability to minister to thousands of people, both here in Saginaw County and to places all around the world. You know, I'm always floored by how generous you are with your wealth. Every year you faithfully give and you fund the ministry budget so that people can hear the good news of Jesus and receive good deeds that help make their lives better. Your giving helps make Sunday morning ministry possible. It helps make our kids' ministry possible. It helps make Sunday night student ministry possible. It helps, making, uh, it helps those inside our church and outside of our church who are in need. It makes that possible for us to be able to give to those in need. And it actually helps people to come know, to know and follow Jesus in, in a profound way. It makes that possible. Your generosity matters in a huge way. And if that wasn't enough, you have been an over and above generous church. And that shows by how you fund our Christmas outreach offering every single year. Did you know that from 2010 to 2018, over the past eight years, you have given over $1,048,000 to our Christmas outreach offering? That's a huge amount of money. And that's giving, check this out, that's giving above and beyond what you give to make Hopeville, its weekly ministries run. That's over $1 million that is funded and is currently funding ministry completely outside of our walls in our community and around the world. That church is phenomenal. That is generosity with your wealth. That's what it means to be rich with your wealth. That's what generosity looks like. And the encouragement? The encouragement is this. How can we be more generous so that more people can be reached to know and follow Jesus? How can we be more generous so that we can share the gospel with more people, both in word and in deed? You know, I love what Paul says at the end of this section of verses, because he says this. He says, in this way, you know, because of their generosity, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, generosity not only makes this life better, but it shows that you have an eternal perspective in mind. Paul is no doubt hearkening back to the words of Jesus when Jesus said this, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. That's going to fade away. He said, store up treasures in heaven where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And that's where I think the apostle Paul is drawing this from. Allow your heart to have an eternal perspective. See, understanding God's generosity to us should lead us to being generous towards others. And in doing so, we can grab onto life, real life, the life that God has for us and store up real treasure for ourselves, both now and in eternity. Have an eternal perspective. That's what generosity gives us. See, some people think that having wealth means I'm really living my best life right now. But the secret to real life 
isn't about how much you have. It's about how generous you are with what you've been given. That's the secret. That's the life that is really life that Paul's talking about here. And when that plot twist happens, it changes everything. Generosity means being rich towards others. It's not about money. It's about a way of life. And so how can we allow this plot twist of generosity to change our stories for the better? Let's pray together. God, we... um, we thank you for the encouragement. I know a lot, a lot of times we think, well, I can just pass that by and I'm not rich, but God, you've richly blessed us with so much. Whether it's wealth, whether it's time, whether it's our abilities, whether it's wisdom, whatever it is, God, you've richly blessed us. And, and generosity is at the core of your story. It's at the core of the gospel. And so our question should be, okay, I've been blessed with so much. How can I be a blessing to others? And God, my prayer all week has been this, that God, may we be a church that's known for generosity. And God, we, we love hearing the stories about how we've been a generous church with our works and our wealth. And God, may we continually go after that. May we be more generous than we have in the past. May we follow you because that's at the heart of who you are. And that's the heart of your son, Jesus. And that's the heartbeat of the gospel is generosity. That though he was rich, And for our sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. May we follow that example and live from a place of open-handed generosity. In Jesus' name. When I think about generosity, specifically the generosity of God, it makes me think about words like extravagant and lavish which automatically makes me think of the verse in 1 John that says, Behold, the manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we, we would be called the children of God. And that is what we are. That God the Father would generously lavish his love on us by sending his one and only Son to be sacrificed for us. That the Son would generously lavish his love on us by as this next song says, you gave your life to give me mine. Church, behold the manner of love. Jesus Christ, he is the living example of the generously lavish love of God. Let's stand and sing to him again before we leave today.
on us we can be called the children of God. What an amazing thought. You and I, we've been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. So go this week and live out of a place of generosity and say, how can I bless other people this week? Thanks for being here.